Welcome to Lawson Insight. I'm Mark Fancourt-Smith, a litigation partner located in Lawson Lundell's Vancouver office. And I'm Alexandra Stoichev, a litigation associate located in our Calgary office. One of the things that makes Lawson Lundell distinctive is the fact that we have a thriving practice in Northern Canada. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Sheila McPherson and Sandra McKenzie. Sheila and Sandra are both partners in Lawson's Yellowknife office. Sheila has lived in Nunavut and the Northwest Territories for most of her life. Her practice involves litigation, child protection law, constitutional law, and legislative drafting. Sheila, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mark. A pleasure to be here. Sandra also practices in the Northwest Territories in Nunavut in the areas of employment law, child protection law, and workplace investigations, and most recently was elected as a member of the Executive Committee of the Law Society for the Northwest Territories. Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Alex. So the first question I wanted to ask is, what's our current complement uh, up in Yellowknife now, and what are the, uh, the main areas that we're practicing? Thanks, Mark. Um, right now, we have seven lawyers in our office, as well as an articling student. Uh, we practice in a wide variety of different areas, litigation, regulatory, employment, corporate commercial, um, the work we do for the Legislative Assembly of the Northwest Territories involving legislative drafting. Uh, we do work in the area of child protection. We do work in the area of Indigenous law. So a fairly broad array of legal practice areas are covered in our northern office. We will soon be joined um, by some students from the Nunavut Law School. We're quite excited about that. The University of Saskatchewan has a law program in in Iqaluit, a satellite campus, if you will. And next year, we will have a student from the Nunavut Law School uh, working with us uh, for a period of time doing her articles. And as well, we will have a number of other Nunavut Law students coming to us for shorter periods of time. So we're, we're quite excited about that connection and our involvement with the uh, Nunavut Law Program. Sheila and Sandra, how did each of you come to practice in Yellowknife? I know you have both sort of different paths to ending up um, practicing law in the North, and, and they're both sort of interesting interesting stories of how you got there. <laughs> Alex, uh, my story actually is a bit unusual for Northern lawyers uh, in that I really was raised in the North. So many of the folks that we have uh, practicing law in the North come from away or come from outside of the NWT, but... I was one of the lawyers who was raised in the Northwest Territories, went away to law school and always determined that I would come back here. I grew up, um, a significant portion of my life was spent in Frobisher Bay, which is now Iqaluit, the capital of Nunavut. But by the time I finished uh, law school, when I finished law school, there was really no ability to article in Frobisher Bay. There was a very, very, very small legal bar in um, Frobisher Bay, and there simply was no ability to article. So I went west to Yellowknife 33 years ago uh, to do my articles and to become called to the bar. I always thought that I would head back east um, over to what's now Iqaluit. But life happens, and you make a family, and you continue working. And I'm lucky enough that I have lots and lots of contact and lots of trips and lots of involvement with Nunavut, uh, what's now Nunavut. And so I really have the opportunity to spend as much time in in Nunavut as I can uh, and practice law there, which has just been tremendous. 
And Sandra, your uh, legal career started with law school in the South, I understand it, and then you came up to Yellowknife to practice. Am I correct in remembering that? Yes, Alex. So I came up north originally in 2007. I, for a short time, I grew up outside of Toronto and attended the University of Windsor Law School. And they have a program where you can spend a semester in your third year clerking with the Supreme Court in the Northwest Territories. So I thought that that would be a great adventure. (laughs) And so off I went, uh, having never been uh, north of Calgary before. And I arrived in January 2007, and it was minus 48, I remember, when I got off the plane. (laughs) And um, I'm not sure what I expected, but um, I ended up loving the community, the work that I did, and I made some great friends here. I went back to Toronto uh, to finish my articles at a big firm, and then I worked for about two years at a litigation boutique firm in Toronto. But I always had it in the back of my head that I would come back to the North. And that opportunity presented itself in 2011. And my partner and I bought a car and we drove across the country and uh, the rest is history. Now Yellowknife is home. We have two young kids. We have a cabin outside the city. And my partner has his own law practice here in town. We have a good work-life balance and we really love the community here. I just wanted to ask you both, not a strictly law-related question, but Sheila, you're, you mentioning of having the opportunity to get back to a, a Callaway a lot, or Sandra having come from away, how's Northern Canada doing in terms of uh, how it's responding to, how it's been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic? Thanks, Mark. Overall, I would say that Northern Canada's been doing relatively well, and they have considerably less cases here than in most of the in most of southern Canada. However, the risks here are high if there is community spread. So there have been much stricter measures that have been put in place in terms of moving in and out of the territories. So between June and November, there was a travel bubble that had been established between the NWT and Nunavut which was great for us because it meant we got to travel back and forth uh, for work. And that was recently closed in the middle of November when there was uh, evidence of community spread in a community in Nunavut. Up until then, they'd had zero cases, which was quite remarkable. And they've now responded with very strict lockdown measures. And so far, that seems to have been working. And the number of new cases is down every day. So this is definitely a unique environment and the response has been considerably different than in the rest of the country. Uh, Mark, what's really interesting about Nunavut is that they had quite a significant outbreak. The first outbreak uh, that started about four weeks ago and it's amazing how the people of Nunavut have responded to that. Um, The very strict lockdown measures that have been put into place including uh, in the community, which is most affected uh, by the outbreak, the community of Arviat. Uh, and on a daily basis, the number of active COVID cases are going down. The communities and, and Nunavut, when it had a crisis, when it had the COVID hit in full raging force, responded in a remarkable way and and really have turned the tide on what was a, a terrible outbreak, uh, just sort of establishing the strength of the people of Nunavut and their cohesiveness in addressing, uh, in addressing COVID. 
the COVID outbreak. So with luck, hopefully that'll um, continue. The situation in Nunavut will continue to improve and they'll be back COVID and once again uh, become a COVID-free jurisdiction. It's been really quite, quite remarkable to watch. Sheila, that's that's really good to hear. I know um, I've been following the news reports of that down here from the south, and uh, I am glad to hear about the tide that's turning in that respect. I wanted to turn the focus to sort of the legal issues arise in the north and to get your sense, both Sheila and Sandra, about some of the unique legal issues that arise in your northern practices. Uh, sure. Uh, one of the, the factors that make the NWT in Nunavut perhaps a bit different from the rest of Canada is the uh, predominance of issues involving Indigenous people. In Nunavut, uh, the Inuit are by far the majority population in, in that territory. In the NWT, Indigenous people comprise approximately half of the population of the North. As a consequence, any lawyer practicing in either territory is going to have to be very familiar with issues involving Indigenous people. But we also have all sorts of other issues. We have a tremendous, tremendous uh, resource industry, um, non-renewable resource industry, with a number of quite successful mines operating and lawyers, uh, including in our own firm, uh, are going to come across issues involving resource development on a frequent basis. We also have other constitutional issues that arise from time to time, issues involving the status of the territories. Uh, we're not a province, but over time, particularly with devolution of authority, we have become much more like a province in terms of the exercise of powers. Um, and every once in a while, that does bring up uh, the issue of what is the status of the Northwest Territories? Are we? Do we have a separate crown, for example? Are we able to enjoy the full scope of parliamentary privilege in our legislature that other Canadian legislatures enjoy and other issues of that ilk? Um, so there's uh, quite a few interesting, unique areas of law that a lawyer can be involved in and practice law in the North. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about... Uh, about your travel experience. You know, down in the south, you hear people saying, oh, you know, if I don't really want to have to travel to the interior of the province after after October, it gets a little dicey. That sort of a, <laughs> the, uh, that kind of travel is sort of a way of life for you, I suppose. Yes, it is, Mark. And I think both Sheila and I travel quite regularly as part of our, in part of our practice. And um, I have traveled to a number of small communities, both in the Northwest Territories and Nunavut. And <clears throat> I, I feel quite privileged, I think, to have had the opportunity to have traveled to so many places that most Canadians never get to visit. Um, I've traveled to a number of communities north of Yellowknife. Uh, and, you know, I, for example, I've put my toe in the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> um, I've uh, seen a roller bear, which is a mixture of a polar bear and a grizzly. <laughs> Uh, and I had the opportunity to purchase a Cape Dorset print directly from the printer in Kingate, uh, Nunavut, which uh, for me was an ex was very exciting because I uh, have collected Cape Dorset prints for a long time. Um, as a young lawyer here, or anyone new to the North, I think you very quickly learn how to adapt uh, to the Northern travel. So the the court here actually issues a directive that you will not be allowed on an airplane uh, 
in the wintertime unless you have all of your winter gear on. And that has to be appropriate winter gear, like a Canada Goose parka, good boots. And if you don't have that stuff, then you can't go on the court circuit. You often also learn to bring your own food. Uh, you learn which communities have a North Mart that's going to be open, you know, when you arrive or open on Sundays. And I often find that I prepare meals in advance and freeze them and bring them with me. Um, I have a traveling office in that's packed up and not getting much use right now, but it's packed up in a duffel bag and it has a scanner and a printer and everything I need. And I take that with me. And I, th I think that the most important thing that you learn is to be flexible and adaptable because if there's a weather delay or and your flight gets cancelled, it could be days. You could be stuck somewhere um, without food and <laughs> you always learn to bring, you know, extra Mr. Noodles or something like that in your suitcase <laughs> and always an extra book and extra underwear. It only takes once getting stuck without those things and you learn your lesson. Um and Isn't that the truth, Sandra? I remember yeah. <laughs> being in Cambridge. I remember being in Cambridge Bay once and not realizing that the restaurant wasn't open. And I arrived too late to go to the northern store to pick up groceries. The next day, I had to run a trial. And between interviewing witnesses and trial preparation, I was in Cambridge Bay for 36 hours before I actually had a meal. It was just one of those things that, uh, where, where I fast learned that, okay, I better tuck, um, I better tuck a protein bar or a couple of protein bars into my backpack and make sure I always have them. I've never forgotten that lesson. So you, you, you make a good point there. Sandra and Sheila, hearing you talk about this reminds me of um, a couple summers ago when I had the chance to come up to the Yellowknife office and, and work with the two of you. And Sandra, I know before we got on the plane, you gave me a number of these tips. So um, <laughs> I have fond memories of us traveling together. And uh, I show a lot of people the photo of the, the beautiful color of the water as we were flying into Rankin Inlet um, in June a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I wanted to touch on a few of the ways that practicing in Nunavut and the NWT differs from practice in the South. And we've talked about travel a little bit, but I know there are a number of other ways. Um, so Sheila, maybe you could tell us a few of those. Sure. Um, now, I haven't practiced down South as we call it, but uh, I've talked to lots of people uh, about what that is like, including obviously colleagues at uh, Lawson's. One of the things that really distinguishes practice in the north from a larger center uh, south of the 60, south of 60, is the very small bar. And we've touched upon that in terms of how it can, can result in lawyers being exposed to different legal issues very early on in their career. We only have a little in excess of a hundred resident lawyers in the Northwest Territories, and Nunavut stats are about the same. So the very size of the small bar, particularly when you look at the fact that we are working in a jurisdiction that's going to have the same challenges, the same issues that any province would have in Canada, and yet we have a much smaller bar to deal with the same wide array of complicated issues. What that really means is that you as a young lawyer, will be exposed to 
legal issues much earlier on than you would anywhere else in Canada. Uh, even in Canada's smallest jurisdictions, the ratio of lawyers to the population base is such that um, up here you're just going to be more deeply immersed into legal issues much more quickly. The other area, however, and visiting judges often comment on this, they comment on the civility uh, between counsel and the respect that is shown uh, to lawyers um, by each other. We have a highly collegial bar. We're too small not to be collegial. You cannot burn your bridges with counsel here very lightly <laughs> or else you won't be able to work productively and certainly not happily on files if you have a reputation as being difficult to work with. Uh, people here learn who each other are quite quickly uh, and they learn to work together in a way that really serves the needs of our clients. I think a collegial bar, ethical bar, a cooperative bar is in the public interest in terms of allowing us to arrive at solutions quite quickly. Um, Sandra, uh, as you noted, you had experience practicing in the South before coming up North. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add to the comments that Sheila made about um, the the ways that it's unique to practice in Yellowknife and uh, more broadly in the North? Well, I definitely noticed the difference among between the way that lawyers treated each other. There's a level of respect here that often wasn't, um, and not in every case by any means, but that sometimes wasn't there between lawyers in cases in Toronto. And I think that the difference being that here you're likely to run into that opposing counsel at the grocery store, at your kids' activities, uh, and you're also going to have many cases with them in the future. So the relationship that you develop with them is very important. So that's definitely one thing that I noticed. Um, I also noticed that I think this has more to do with, with Lawson Lundell, um, but also with the lawyers here in the North is that uh, all of them are very interested in, in recruiting um, and mentoring young lawyers and have the time to, uh, to talk things out with young counsel. And often when you are on a circuit in a community uh, or we're traveling, you're traveling with the whole court party. So the judge, the opposing counsel, the court clerk, the court reporter, um, you get to know them and they are um, open to providing feedback and comments and just in the swapping the, the, the stories of, mm -hmm. of uh, you know, things that have happened in the past, you also learn a lot. Um, so that's one, one difference that I noticed as well. Well, thinking of having the time to talk things through, I wanted to thank you both for, uh, for your time today. Thanks for coming on the podcast and telling us a little bit about uh, life and practice in the North. Uh, take care of both you and, and stay safe. Thanks so much, Mark and Alex. Yeah, thank you both. It was great to chat. Thank you for joining us on Lost in Insight. And thanks again to Sheila and Sandra for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at lawsonlundell.com. You can also stay up to date by connecting with us on Twitter using the handle at lawsonlundell and by subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.